Hey, bimbos. Welcome back to another episode, a very special episode, might I add, of Hospital Bimbo. I'm your host, Cassie, and I'm here sitting with a lovely Zoe. Welcome, Zoe, to the show. Please just give us a little introduction. Who are you? What, what's your vibe? What's Yoho Zoe? Yeah, kia ora, everyone. Uh, thank you so much, Cass, for having me on. I'm, I'm so excited. I've wanted to do this for so long. Um, but yeah, my name is Zoe. Uh, my friends call me Zoe, and I'm a designer and a stylist. And most of you will probably know me as the founder of a vintage brand and online store called Yoho Zoe. And it features a curated array of uh, rare one-off pieces. They're not necessarily pinned down by an era, but rather an aesthetic, which I like to call rich kitsch. Rich kitsch. Rich kitsch. Is that a known phrase or have you just made it up? No, I completely made that up. I feel like you should put that on some merch. (laughs) Yeah, not a bad idea. I but that, that kind of eliminates the whole that's like going into fast fashion sort of <laughs> which is my constant battle so why are we why are we here who are we how do you know me how do i know you i know it's crazy so two years ago cass and i met at our current jobs you could say i work there part-time as an art director it's a kiwi brand but it also operates globally so it's quite big and cass you're head of customer i'm customer head service. of customer service yeah, which is a bit of a shock. Yeah. Um, but I can be really fake with people. <laughs> Not in a in bad way. way. Yeah, and in, in the nicest way. But I've been, how long have you been there? For two? Two years. Two years. Yeah. Holy crap. I know. Well, when you think of like COVID, everything's just a bit of a blur. So yeah. Yeah. And, and I came in after the first lockdown. And I think we just yeah, clicked part-time. right away. Yeah. And I fell more in love with you when I found out that you were doing your own thing as well. Um, your brand I'm obsessed with. There's a lot Thank of greens you. and just the fact There's that it's green. vintage, recycled. We're all about that. Mm. And, and then that's why I liked your brand because you had the whole nostalgic diner type vibe and I know all about that with like the whole 50s era and how that's influenced your persona of yes. Hospo Bimbo. Yes. And that's what it's led fabulous. us to this beautiful – chaotic collaboration that we are about to launch with yes it's not conventional for you is it i'm not really your average coffee gal i do love coffee love hospo i've never worked a day at hospo in my life but i do know retail and i think that's where we can totally relate to one another yeah because there are so many crossovers hospitality essentially is just like a branch off of customer service i mean they're kind of one in the same there's Mm -hmm. just one that involves food Mm -hmm. totally what was your customer service role? Uh, so it began, my first ever retail position was, I was 18 and I, I don't know why, but I just really wanted uh, to study menswear. So I was on the train going home from school one day. I lived in West Auckland and uh, there was a massive like suit factory that was on the back of the train line and I'd go past it every day. And I just randomly was like, yep, I'm going to work for them. I just had this thought. I was like, I'm going to work for them. I'm going to like sell men's suits. And so I flicked them an email and they replied and were like, how did you know we were looking for someone? It was I the weirdest that. serendipitous moment. Yeah. I went in for the interview, got the job, fresh out of, like I was still in school actually, I think. Did and you know anything about like suits at that stage? No, not really. I just was passionate mm-hmm. and keen to learn. And I had this amazing mentor, Phineas who taught me so much, not just about fashion and suits, but customer service. 
like if you're selling a suit, I mean, there's so much like professionalism yeah. that comes with that whole process of selling. Yeah. So now when I go into any store, that's my standard. And I think that's a bit unfair, but no, well, it was a great foundation. I feel like that would be so rewarding as well for you because mm. you, like we were talking about this the other day, that usually people only buy suits for very rare occasions. Totally. They either wear, wear one every day or they never wear one. Right. And, and they have to wear one. To and an you can, can you tell when somebody comes in and you're like, okay, oh, you've never oh, worn a suit mm, in your life? Perhaps. Yeah. There were definitely the guys who would come in an hour before the wedding and go, oh, I need a suit. <laughs> and you're like, challenge accepted. Why um, do y'all do that? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I think it's just they don't care, to be honest. They just, well, to be fair, I enjoyed it. It was like a bit of a thrill. You know, yeah. adrenaline, like, okay, let me, let me work my magic. Yeah. <laughs> um, not so fun when the bridezilla came along for the ride, but um, you just you just realized that's who you were selling to and you would only talk to her. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, no, my favorite part of that was the transformation and seeing people come in in their board shorts and jandals and then away they went into the changing room with my outfit and came back out and it was like James Bond. It was like, I'm oh. just literally picturing like in the movies mm. – where they're like doing all their what alterations, alterations, yeah. doing all oh. they're like looking into the mm. mirror. And yes, that's quite an up close and personal process too. Yeah, which I think I don't know. I was just so confident at eighteen. It's so funny. Like I had no issues wrapping a tape measure around a guy's chest, even when it was too small. Never did I once have to stick the measuring tape up the inner thigh. Just oh, to clarify, funny. that is a myth. I'm debunking that for you now. I didn't know that was a myth. No. So okay. we always pin the hems first, take the trousers off, measure them last. And if you <laughs> are getting it done another way, you are at a different establishment. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Did you wear a suit there? Um, I tried to I, – I let it inspire my style for sure. I try, I definitely dressed up in a blazer and like heels and – you, you name it. Um, but I didn't... I don't actually think suits were really in fashion for women back then. It was hard to find a suit for a woman. So Cass and I have teamed up and we're doing a collab. And that, of course, means we need to wear some vintage. And what better era to enter than, of course, the 1980s. Can I just say as well, this was my first collaboration and it went so motherfucking well. That I'm now terrified to ever do one again because Can I don't think you write me a testimonial that was... Yeah. Specifically that quote. Just Yeah, I had so much fun. We went to the studio. We got our hair and makeup done. Full tease. Full color eyeshadow. Lipstick, you name it. Lipstick that went beyond our lips, must I say. I had a new <laughs> set of lips that day. I didn't recognize those it lips. fantastic. I might do that more often. But yeah, so Cass and I donned these insane taffeta dresses fit for prom with a wedding cake and toe helium balloons and the quintessential signature lilac fuchsia beautiful purple that is hospo bimbo we now have a full helium tank so if you need any <laughs> balloons filled hit us up because did you hear there's a worldwide shortage it's bad for the environment yeah <laughs> um then we hopped in a vintage car remind me what it's called a falcon what yeah I think it was a 62. No. Sorry, Steve. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> You'll see the photos. It was absolutely beautiful. We drove around Auckland in torrential downpour rain, yep. visiting diners, having Dr. Peppers and Sundays, 
talking all things nostalgia, things we love about hospital, retail, customer service. It was hilarious. I will just say, unfortunately, New Zealand is lacking in the diners. Mm. However, we hit up the Pie Piper, which is always a treat. guaranteed treat. Shout out Danielle for providing the most amazing, beautiful cake. Amazing. We w- then went to the Bald Eagle Diner. What an experience. Oh my gosh, the best owner. He was so, so nice. welcoming. It's classic. And then got trapped in the rain in the Falcon. Yeah. Before finishing the night in a dark eye shadow in a dingy bar. We had a ball. We felt like we'd gone to the ball and pretty much summed up our whole two brands and experience together. Yes. Of having fun. Have fun. Don't take shit too seriously and just lean into it. Yeah. Be extra. Be over the top 80s. So obviously we are kind of very different entities and on two different paths. Mm. But I think you said it very well before that we are kind of two women who feel as if we were born in the wrong time. Yeah. We are obsessed with nostalgia. Mm. Why do you think that is? Like, What is so dreamy about back then that we don't have now? Do you know what? It's it's not even about wanting to go back and live in that time. I think we truly do cherry pick all the best moments because there's, a, my goodness, if you look at history, it, was, it wasn't always pretty. Mm. Um, but it's more so just there have been some great societal shifts that I wish I was there to witness. The flower power days, the punk era in Britain and the space age, you know, like there's just there's certain eras where I want to wear the fashion and I want to contribute to the culture when it happened and when it was acceptable and when it was new. Whereas if you do that now, it's like, oh, you're wearing retro clothes. Yeah. You know, it's not like, oh, that's fashionable now. Yeah, yeah, And I yeah. think it's a real um, gift to be able to take retro vintage clothing and make it feel contemporary today. And and it depends on what you're wearing. There's definitely timeless pieces which lend themselves to being styled for any period going forward. But um yeah, that's what I'm jealous of. I just want to be there when it happened. And if you had to pick one era, mm. do you know where would you? A hundred percent, the sixties. The sixties. Oh my god, yeah, the music, the fashion, everything. Mary Quant. Um, oh, would it be Britain or would it be America? I don't know. It, either or. I just think that was like a really big shift in fashion to go from such modest conventions and this whole sexualization of women took off i just think like that is probably the most powerful moment that women have had in history and it also was so timeless the the styles so futuristic when you think about it and everything often references the 60s like 90s definitely references so yeah even today it's crazy i always find myself falling in love and i don't i can't really separate if this is just because I'm yearning for the feeling for when I was a kid, mm. but the nineties to me, the eighties and nineties just seemed like, like if I had to go back, I'd probably go very early eighties, mm. but I also cling to the nineties because it was when I was a kid growing up in like suburban America totally. and it was just such a simpler I'm just time. I'm picturing um, Tim the Tall Man Taylor. What was that sitcom? Oh, um... <laughs> <laughs> Home Improvement. Home Improvement. That is the most Literally. 90s, like, American family TV show that I just used to love. Yeah. Or just, like... Full House. Like, Seinfeld, yeah. Frasier. Like, oh. I just want to be in that. Mm. God, they don't make TV like that anymore, do they? No. 
And even just when I talked to my mom, you know, even she was like struggling single parent, working a million jobs to support me. Mm. But we've even agreed that it was like a way better time back then. And mm. everything just felt simpler. Do you think that's because social media is the thing now? Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, the connection is too much. It's overwhelming. It's We know too much. <laughs> we We do, yeah. We never had everyone's lives at yeah. our fingertips we didn't get the updates on kanye no Kim. we weren't <laughs> no <laughs> we weren't comparing to chloe's new skims outfit Bella Hadid's yeah and we weren't seeing everyone's vacation the only time you mm. heard about a vacation is when they'd come back from the vacation wearing think, a puka yeah. necklace yeah <laughs> and the braids of the timber <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> which is not culturally we're correct. so sorry we apologize on behalf of every white girl yeah this. oh my god fucking hell and the j-lo shades Um, now they can come back yeah and that's i think that's why i love diners so much is Mm. because it seems to be this timeless time warp isn't it yeah it's like a portal why do you think diners have stuck with that 50s retro look i don't know because i mean they started out originally to during the great depression right and they were converted from like i think train cars because they were so cheap and people were just serving food and Mm. coffee out of them i think it just still carries that the symbol of like hope resilience it's cheap i don't know why but throughout my whole life and even like the people in my family and growing up there's just something about like sitting in a diner booth where you feel like you just want to pour your heart out to somebody they're open late so it's just all walks of life coming in morning to night everyone is welcome and i just i just want to like bottle that feeling and that time and just live in there yeah see that's that's what i want to experience like the scene in Greece where they go into the diner and they're having the milkshake <laughs> and the cheeseburger and it's like, well, they're at the jukebox and it's like, you can't do those things today without it feeling novel. You know, it's not know. authentic. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I wish I could Or experience. like the feeling of Friday night after a football game, mm, like mm. very much exactly how it's portrayed on TV is how it was actual. Yeah. Just go into a football game and then afterwards you just go get a shake from the diner and you're like me and your crush there, yeah. and like everyone's <laughs> gathering outside, playing music at their cars. It's just such a simpler time. Mm. And it wasn't even about um, branding or that's where the cool kids go or that's where this group goes. Right. You know, like I, I couldn't even tell you the name of the diners. Like that was so irrelevant. No. And I think that's that's also a good point. That's like, I mean, in the States, it didn't matter what state you were in. You knew there was going to be a diner there. You, you know where exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you knew what food was going to be mm. there. Yeah. I do they know. actually wear roller skates? That's my one question. Some of them do. Some of them do. Those are me. mostly like the drive-up ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget. I feel like like a today, term. do they still wear them? Yeah, they do. Oh my goodness. They're, I think the son- some of the Sonics there do. Oh my god. Uh, there's also. I don't think it's I don't think it's more so inside. It's more like if you pull up, there's a menu outside and they'll roll up. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. You mentioned the 60s. Mm. Do do you try and implement that into your brand now? Yes, in a way, I think that is really polished and clean. I think that was like that real mod look mm-hmm. that the 60s took. Um, yeah, for me, I think that's always been my signature and I have a real struggle 
when it comes to anything that's raw and candid, which I think you'll probably have experienced. Um, if I do do that, it's because I've had a complete stroke of confidence. And I don't know where it came from. <laughs> hey, you need to take those and uh, run with them. I know. Believe me. I know that that's like the biggest trend of this era that we're in. And I'm just not on board quite yet, but I'm, I'm getting there, people. I'm getting there. So I think for me, it's the it's probably more the space agey mm-hmm. um, mod look. I really love futuristic pieces that are vintage because to me it's so fascinating how past eras and people visualize the future. It's like, oh, they thought that was futuristic. Does it still feel futuristic or does it feel retro? Are we past that now? I um, thought we were going to have flying cars by now. I'm know, just but even the design of, of them is like the Jetsons, mm. like Jetsons fashion. Yeah, Airstreams. What era was I Dream of Genie and like Bewitched? Was that the 60s? Yeah, late 60s, early 70s. Oh, 1964. Oh, it was. When did you decide that you were going to create Yohozo? Like, how did you, when did you come up with the name? When were you like, I'm going to do this? Mm. I'm assuming you were working like a full-time job at that stage and you were just... It's definitely been an evolution. I never started with the idea, you know, straight out of the womb and was like, this is it. This is the finished, complete moment. Um, It's, it's... Yeah, a combination of things. I think the name is a funny one. The name definitely came first. <laughs> Back in the MSN days, it was how I used to – I would just message people and I would never say hello. I would always say, yo-ho. <laughs> I love that. And it just, like, <laughs> stuck. And people knew that's how I would say hi to them, so they would reply the same. And then I was really late to Instagram, and that was my first ever handle. I just added Zoe on the end. It was like, yo-ho, Zoe, just because it rhymed and it, rhymes. it was cute and fun. And then – you know, I'm sure a lot of people have experienced this, but you start getting called your Instagram handle as your nickname and it's just stuck. And now I don't think anyone would know me by anything else but your hoza. It's so perfect. It's bonkers. It's absolute nonsense, which is why I love it because it's like, I never want to take myself too seriously. Mm. And it's every time I say that name to people, I'm like, oh my God. Here it goes. It's Yohoza. I think it's amazing. <laughs> and people are like, what? Um, <laughs> and yeah, I always jokingly say it's Japanesey because that would be my dream. I would love to have a shop in Japan. It's just, it's hilarious. It's just a, a nickname that's stuck. But then it's, it's completely the epitome of my brand and the idea that everything should be fun. And if it's not fun, then why am I doing it? To me, vintage is extreme fun and I think walking into a store is like pure joy and a moment of escapism where you just completely lose yourself so I'm trying to create this hybrid of me and vintage a vintage world and a journey that you go on when you're walking through and you're discovering new pieces and it is like Wonderland like it it is actually yeah so I I love that Alice in Wonderland concept down the rabbit hole type going part. down the rabbit hole yeah, yeah. yeah totally not knowing what you're going to find. It's all a bit of a mystery. Yeah, and so I've kind of taken elements of that, left behind a bit of the like corny fantasy, but taken the natural elements of nature and dark moodiness, the greens, and then tried to sort of take that to inspire the, the retail experience, I guess you could call it, which is kind of why it feels like you're going into the dark web when you go on my website, which I don't know if that's successful or not. I fucking <laughs> love it. I haven't had any bad feedback yet, but... um. How did you even do that? You're just like really it? cool little warpy. Oh yeah, no, it's just an thing. effect. I took all the photos. It was so funny. I've just like over a process taken photos and collected imagery 
and I've always been into nature and the floral, weird and wonderful. Um, but I like that it's aesthetic. like the dark, yeah, mossy. I just didn't want to be like anyone else as yeah. well. I just was like, why are we all doing it the same? Why do all our websites are white and they look the same? There are grids and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. It's like, goodness me, can we all just branch out a bit and experiment? And Yeah. How do we all know that that's the formula that works if no one's trying anything different? Like, exactly. Especially when it's vintage. Like, it, it definitely makes sense for my brand because everything is one-off and unique, so... And were you yeah. kind of naturally always collecting vintage pieces? Yes. Yeah, so as a kid, uh, I was big into Tumblr. It was cool. It was cool oh to go God, vintage Tumblr. shopping. I forgot I know. about Tumblr. That was the aesthetic. It was Isn't cool. Tumblr making a comeback? I keep I seeing know. all these things on TikTok that oh Tumblr's making a comeback. I think it is, but it's just not the same yeah. as when it, we oh, had it. will never be the because same Because there was nothing else, you know? Mm. Like, there was Lookbook and, oh, God, what was the other one? Avenue 7. I don't know. There's just so many funny little moments now. Um, upbringing but anyway yeah my friends and I discovered Save Mart and that was when you could get a trolley to go down the aisles and just pour all the clothes you liked into the trolley take them all to the changing room um, and try them on were the changing rooms the same back then oh yeah so they just haven't changed no they haven't changed I don't think they ever will but yeah we would buy so much stuff and that was when it was so cheap as well like everything was under ten dollars to go up shopping I guess that just became like a natural hobby but then when I was in primary school intermediate I I just knew I wanted to do fashion mm-hmm. I just was obsessed with sewing I don't know if it's in my blood my grandma sewed my auntie sewed mum not so much but it was just almost innate the feeling so yeah I was so excited to go to high school finally because I was like oh my god it's an actual subject I get to <laughs> sew for an hour like this is crazy when I got to school turns out that subject wasn't actually considered very cool and it also wasn't really highly regarded as an intelligent subject, which is ridiculous. But I actually fell in love with graphic design at high school. And I had this incredible teacher who came from industry. So she wasn't just, you know, um, straight out of teaching college or anything like that. She actually had real world experience. And she was such a hard ass. Like, oh my God, her standards for high school kids were probably higher than I've ever experienced in the workplace. Wow. Yeah. And I loved it. It was like being Tonya Harding and having a kick-ass mum be like, no, do better, <laughs> do better, no, get your 12 better, no. Five, shot, six, crap. seven, eight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like most people hated her, but I loved her. I was like, this is great. But you wouldn't be like probably what you are today if you no, didn't have that. Totally. Yeah. And like I worked my absolute butt off. But also just because our school was real competitive and ridiculous and academic and all my friends were nerds and I was a nerd. Uh, Marist College in Mount Albert. I ask like I know. No one, I don't no know any schools around here. Mm. Um, yeah, Catholic girls school. And then ended up I – was, I was still doing fabric tech and stuff in my final year because I, I wanted to study fashion. But um, I entered like the design – scholarship which is like a kind of a little separate segment of NCEA where you do a board and all the boards in the country get ranked Mm -hmm. (laughs) it was like the school school holidays we'd all finish school and I got this phone call from my friend who was head girl at the time um Maya and she rings me and she goes oh my god Zoe I was just at school and like all the teachers are talking about you and I was like oh my god what's happened oh my god have I like done something wrong and she goes no, you're not going to believe this. 
you got 24 out of 24 on your scholarship board and you're number one in New Zealand. What? <laughs> Holy fuck. Yeah, that was my reaction. I was just like, you're joking. Is that even a thing? Like, what does that even mean? What does that mean? I don't know. It was just ridiculous. Like, apparently they just rank all the boards according to a marking schedule. Did they have, like, a ceremony for you? or like? Yeah, I had to go to Parliament and get this award. It was just absolutely ridiculous. Ridiculous. (laughs) I've honestly never told anyone that. I... I've kept that under wraps for so long. But I don't now know I'm why like, you're keeping that under wraps. Well, it's been 10 years since I left school, so it's like, does not matter now. I think that is but, what you want to be bringing up at a bar with a stranger <laughs> when you're wasted. Yeah. Well, I probably have. Um, <laughs> not that it's got me here far at all, but it's, I used to cringe at it and I never told anyone. But when I reflect upon it, I'm like, that actually probably was such an important part of my journey because... It really solidified for me really early on, before working, before uni, that I was like where I needed to be. And yeah. this was for me. Like, And cool. most people don't have that. Like no. I didn't have that till I was 30. Or never. Or never. Yeah. You know? Like, for so some what, people, a, what a gift to have that when totally. you're young. Yeah. Just confidence. Mm. Truly. And like, God, what wonders does that do for people? Yeah. Um, even people who are crap at their jobs. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's... It made my decision easier after school knowing I wanted to do fashion because I was like, okay, well, that's going to challenge me. If I go do graphics, it's like, I don't want to be back at square one learning the basics of Photoshop. I know that, blah, blah, blah. Um, And it meant I could still do design graphics within fashion. And then uh, throughout fashion, all my dreams of being a designer (laughs) were crushed when I realized it was the most um, destructive, unsustainable model and so yeah I just completely did this big 180 pivot had this huge mental shift towards going back to vintage and thrifting and I thought oh my god I've got a whole nother year of this I can't sleep at night like I I love that just still having this dream yeah that was always my dream and now it isn't anymore it was so strange but yeah I I got really mad and I even (laughs) mad at my classmates because no one, like we all went to the same lectures, but no one else really had the same reaction. And everyone still went ahead and did their own collections. And it was just very insular. It was like, I'm a creative, I'm a designer, I'm going to do my collection, I'm going to be amazing. You know, like I just couldn't have a bar of it. So I honestly worked at home. I would come in really late at night after everyone had gone home and do all my sewing. And I would cut up all this old vintage denim t-shirts, anything I could find in the dumpsters, in the op shops, and just experiment and make all this random. As you're saying this, I'm like literally visualizing a movie right now. And I'm sorry that I like <laughs> your life is a movie. And this is the part of the movie where she's just had yeah. enough. She's it's had way enough. better than Nasty Gal Netflix, if you want to uh, hit me up. I just was like, I was honestly going to quit. I was going to put like drop out even. And then... It came to the final critique. We all had to line up and have the models showing. And the lecturers loved it. And they were like, this is amazing. Like, it was hard to hear, to be honest, because like I'd received so much backlash up until that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they were like doing awards again. And they were like, top student is you. And I was like, that that was really interesting to me because it, it didn't feel right. 
like it didn't feel like the last time yeah I got the award yeah and that's when my whole attitude towards awards shifted because it was just like who's in control of this what does it mean if I don't agree with it then then what's, then the, what's point? the point yeah 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 it, you know they, they just don't mean anything so not to say that people don't deserve awards but yeah it it was interesting to go from that real high moment of having confidence when I left high school to be really grounded and humbled leaving university going into the workplace like I did not enter the workplace with an ego I didn't tell anyone I got that award you know like I just yeah it was really interesting what a breath of fresh air to hear that you're not boasting of an award because sometimes I think that's just what ruins the whole entire yeah I think it's just important to realize like how they award those types of projects because it's like it's so subjective especially a creative one you know there's no like yep you ticked all the boxes or maybe you did tick all the boxes but who's making the boxes that that's what I realized too it was like I actually just succeeded at playing the game then the exciting exciting road happened where I left university and I got this really exciting role in costume doing tv and how did you get that really randomly but I was at a party one night got talking to a girl her sister was a costume designer, went for an interview, um, just started out like low ranks as well. It was nothing, no nepotism or anything like that. It was just, um, yeah, I mean, they're always looking for people as well. It's, it's hard for them to recruit. So, yeah, it was perfect. I was already interested in fashion. Um, my parents also had worked in TV, so I had a little bit of background knowledge. And then I was on set for Westside, 1980s prequel like the dream for me I couldn't have been on a better show to start with because I was already interested in vintage so yeah it was it was unreal how long was that for I want to say 10 weeks maybe two or three months okay yeah so it wasn't too long but um but is it the sort of thing that like you do one and then it's then you kind of go on to another show yeah so I think in that industry it's everyone's contracting and freelance but you end up working with teams and you kind of you know make friends and there's so much work there's so many shows going on at once Mm -hmm. especially in New Zealand yeah um yeah I just had people being like oh I'm going on to the show next we need help do you want to come on board um yeah it's just I guess through contacts and connections cool um but it was it wasn't until I went to another show and it was just you know plain old contemporary you know modern type clothing that I realized this was not the job for me and I totally lost all enthusiasm realizing that it was actually probably just the 1980s vintage yeah period drama type um costumes that really got me going uh so, so if another opportunity came along like that where there was this like oh, a God, yeah. show that was in that oh, era yeah. would you sign me up yeah I mean it wouldn't have to be 80s but I think I just really realized doing costume that was very character like character driven mm-hmm. around um yeah whether it's an era fantasy could be fun too I mean sci-fi there's just so much more complex thinking and problem solving like you feel like you're working you're yeah. using your brain whereas yeah. if you're putting on a glasses t-shirt it's like you just <laughs> you just feel like a stylist yeah to a point where it's you're not being creative either um but not to discredit, my God, how hard those people work on those sets. 
Um, yeah, I take my hat off to them. It's such a commitment, that lifestyle. Then, it's just so funny, this journey, how things happen at the right time. Mm-hmm. And that's, I couldn't have planned it, like truly. But there was a ad on Instagram for Magic Hollow. And at the time, they were the small uh, online brand and they were launching a store on Vulcan Lane. And they were hiring their first ever intern for the store. And I just thought, oh, yeah, great. That's a bit of me, vintage. Give it a go. Went for the interview. Didn't get the job. But then a couple of weeks later, I got this phone call saying that position's actually available again. <laughs> so they hired somebody else. Yeah, didn't apparently work out. hired someone else, didn't work out. <laughs> and so they hired me, myself, and another girl, um, Great friend, Makaira. Shout out, Makaira. And yeah, we were the first two employees for Magic Hollow. So that was just the most insane, exciting period. Um, It was unreal. Like I started just with, um, you know, QC, all the basic jobs, online orders, blah, blah, blah. And then because they were aware of my sewing abilities, I started doing all their alterations and fixing all the things that were broken. And then I sort of pitched to them like, hey, you know, we could actually be selling reworks because these are popping off in America in the vintage scene. And so, yeah, I thank them so much, but they completely trusted me and just let me sew. And I was their rework designer. And we put together a line, did a photo shoot, all went really well. And then, yeah, the position just grew from there and we all became really good friends, went to America together, went to LA, went sourcing just oh my god it was crazy and at the time as well because vintage in New Zealand was a new concept in that sense like the whole USA it was all washed and laundered and QC'd and hung on a rack just like new retail that that really wasn't being done then um so it popped off and we had some sort of partnership with Universal Music where every artist that would come through Auckland would come through to the store and we'd oh, film shit. a little segment on them and their style and why they liked vintage and got to meet Billie Eilish, got to meet Troy Sivan, got to meet Joey Badass. Like, it was insane. How, how does that get queued up? Like, uh, I think they were also looking for content for the artists when they came to, to New Zealand to say, mm-hmm. like, oh, we'll take you out in Auckland for the day and, like, do a, you know, day in the life yeah. type video um yeah it was it was crazy it was so cool but then <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> classic zoe gets the itch for graphic design again i just i'm just never satisfied is what i've learned i i want to do everything all at once and it's a constant battle so i can i just say i wish i had that skill i wish that i took graphic design Classes. I think everyone should take graphic design. Fuck yeah. It's the best foundation because for understanding. Do you know what it is? Communication. Yeah. That's all it is. It's learning how to communicate. It's unreal. And Such it's such a good skill. The perfect thing to coexist with your business for mm. you to be able to feed your business. Totally. I mean, I don't want to be using Canva, that's for sure. Well, it's funny because I just don't know any different. And I, I feel for people who start brands and businesses through a marketing lens or through a product lens and all the branding comes later because for me that was everything I started with 
So you went back to graphic design. Yes. And then you were like... My dilemma, though, in my mind was, I don't have a graphic design degree. <laughs> How am I going to do this? People won't believe me. Um, I've got barely any portfolio apart from university work. I reckon that that degree bullshit is going to be fully yeah. out by within two years. I agree. It was totally true. Like, I did not need a degree. And I think as long as you can prove your skills... Even if you're making fake work, like even if you're taking brands you wish you could work for and reworking their branding or taking a brand that is horrible and redesigning it, just any proof that you've got an ability and a gift and talent and you're passionate and any employee would love that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I w- went for an interview at Huffer of all places and they were a brand I had always looked up to as a kid. Yeah, and that was actually probably so surreal when I got that job. Like, I actually couldn't believe it. <laughs> I just felt like I'd fooled everyone. It was just <laughs> the biggest feeling of imposter syndrome. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to actually have to go sit at the computer day one and pretend like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, that was literally me when I got this job. <sighs> yeah. Insane. Isn't it funny, though? Everyone has that moment in their life where they're the day one of a job they've never done. You know, you, you can do it, but you're just, you've never done it before. But you know what's funny is, like, I think people, regardless, they have imposter syndrome all the time. Like, I was watching a talk that Conan O'Brien did, and he was just saying, like, it literally never goes away. Mm. He's he's been, you know, doing what he does for how many odd years. Still, every week, he'll just be like, I'm fooling everybody. What the I don't deserve to be here. What the fuck am I doing? That's insane. That's what was so inspiring for me, because I went to Semi-Permanent, which is a conference held... Uh, it's in Wellington now, but at the time it was in Auckland and they invite creatives from all around the world, from all different brands to talk about a particular theme. And I, I remember that year, a photographer who was phenomenal, like so good, took these insane portraits and he got up and was so nervous to speak and even said things along the same lines. Like I'm, I still, I'm learning, like I'm an amateur. And I was like, if you're saying yeah. that, then my goodness, I might as well just start now. Like, it's never yeah. going to get better, so I might as well just do it. Yeah. And I just did it. So lucky. I was so blessed to be working with amazing teammates and mentors. Yeah, it's where I met Brian and Kinsey and Jean. And oh, I just was so lucky to to be in that group of people. And it was challenging being in a commercial environment. The workload, the pace... But it was good to just jump in the deep end and mm-hmm. and experience a really like grueling time because it total on top of a fashion degree <laughs> it really gave me a thick skin. Um, yeah, it it really really shaped me that that job. But da 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 da. Guess what happened again? I got the itch for vintage. <laughs> so yeah, I by that point we you know we'd had a lockdown and it was mid. 2020 I'd been talking about it and talking about it talking about it my poor boyfriend Benji was like please shut up and just do it just do it so he bought me the company registry for my birthday that is such a thoughtful gift Benji it's an unreal gift but it really forced me to be like right this is yeah this is happening I'm doing it there's always one element Mm. that you do or somebody does for you where you're like all right I'm in yeah there's no turning back yeah yeah. And I rang my ex manager of Huffer, Huffer 
told her, I asked for a reference. I was like, look, this is what I'm doing. I'm starting my own brand, but I'm going to need some part-time graphic work, you know, just to get me going at the start. Um, and funnily enough, she had just taken on the CEO CEO role of our current company that we're working for. And what do you know? She needed a graphic designer. <laughs> and everything and comes full circle. Everything comes full circle. And here we are. That is Brand, the shape yeah. that this country should be is just a fucking circle because it's all oh, it's intertwined. So small. Yeah, it's amazing. But it was also I took that job because it was it meant doing not only part-time work that would give me the time and space to build my brand, but the team of people were incredibly supportive. I knew there would be no conflict of interest working for a non-fashion brand. Yeah, it just it was just the perfect timing. And it allowed you to continue yeah. to feed Yohozel. It's definitely cuz I didn't have it all figured out. Like I've the last 2 years it's taken me 2 years to figure it out, truly. And I probably still haven't figured it all out. But I think that's like really normal because yeah. it's the same with me it's not like, a lot of time i was like looking at my stats the other day and i was like oh my fucking god like hospital bimbo is almost two and a half years old which mm. is insane because i only just now feel like i'm getting some traction yeah so i think two years is minimum yeah. is what you need to really get going 100 percent, and it's cool because i'm i'm actually excited now for next year to be like i have a clear vision yeah and I know who my customers are mm-hmm. and like there's just so many little Yeah, I'm just so much further along than I was to start. I'm still still a little brand. Like I'm not too big for my boots by any means, but you do drops weekly? Yes, I try to do them every week. And um, are you sourcing just within New Zealand or outside of New Zealand as well? Yes. So that was always gonna be a factor when I launched because of COVID. I knew I was gonna have to source locally. So that put a bit of a spanner in the works because I I did think initially I would save up to go overseas and do a big buying trip and that would be like the rhythm, you know? LA? Like LA. But um, that was not feasible. That was not possible for a long time. And I'm actually really glad that that's happened because it's meant that I've built up a a backup. Like if, if anything goes wrong again, I've got a system that I know that works. Um, I can rely on things here. It's so expensive to travel and then to ship. So, and it probably forced you to discover New Zealand and all the little pockets of 100%. gems that are 100%. here that you probably didn't know about. Yeah. And it's also shaped my aesthetic and the things I'm looking for because I just don't, like, if I'm being honest, I haven't embarked on wholesale myself and what that would look like for my brand. But I, I see all the other vintage people out there who are doing wholesale. And it's not what I'm after. Mm. And I don't know if that's because I'm very niche in what I'm looking for and no one else wants to buy what I'm looking for or if there's just none of that in volume. You know, I'm not going after the mass volume Levi's. I'm not going after sports brands. How do you not just want to keep everything that you find for yourself? I do. (laughs) Actually, you do because (laughs) you wear something. I'm like, that's really cool. You're like, yeah, I'm selling it. Yeah, yeah. I, I... Genuinely, everything that fits me, this is the battle as well. I find so much stuff that I love that doesn't fit me. And I thank you, all the people who are not my size. Because I'm a size 12, 14. I find things that are size 6 and I'm like, God, I wish I could wear that. Do you find so most, I get to enjoy buying them. 
Do you find most like vintage stuff are in that size six to eight range? Uh, yes, because people were smaller. Because they were lifting off of cigarettes yeah. and black coffee. It is really fascinating. But people have evolved. Shapes have changed. It's not to say there weren't curvy people. I definitely find all sizes, all shapes and sizes. Um, but I do find I don't find as many sizes oversize sixteen. Mm. Because they just didn't make them mm. in volume. I would I would like to start modeling some of the clothes though. I want you yeah. to start it's, modeling. This is a this is not nothing personal towards larger sizes. It's not even large, it's normal. It's just my own confidence and yeah. and me being okay with the way I look. And I think as well, I just need to go get over it. I think, yeah, I, I think that you'll feel more invigorated. Mm. I mean, that's, I feel the same way when I, like, when we did our shoot, mm. I was not comfortable in my body. But then when I saw the photos of myself, I was like, oh, damn. Yeah. Okay. Totally. That was even a huge confidence boost for me. And I think as well, we're not used to seeing ourselves enough. Like, I don't know about you, but I'm I'm terrible at taking photos of myself. Like, I struggle to take a selfie. And if I have, I have to, like, really practice to, like, know oh. what angles I like of myself. Yeah. And, and that's not to say I'm not happy with my own skin, because I look in the mirror all the time and I'm like, oh, I like, you know, I like what I see. I'm not vain, but it's just, I'm not, I don't have low self-esteem. But there's something about taking a photo mm-hmm. that takes all that away. And I'm like, who is that girl? Is this Whoa. what people really see? This is why I like podcasting because mm. nobody can see my face. Mm. They can just hear my annoying voice. Mm-hmm. But I also really like video and I like being funny. So sometimes it's always a bit of a dance because I do like to film myself. I was going to say, when you film yourself, do you see yourself? Yeah. Mm. I think that's really wise because it's so good to become comfortable with seeing yourself talk. Yeah. Because you look different when you talk. I, I've noticed like some people have said a lot of times like, oh, I, you know, you film yourself. I could never do that. I don't film myself because I'm vain or because I no. want to just see myself on camera. I literally do it because it gives me confidence. It's therapeutic. And it, it is. And it yeah. allows me to just speak better, to be mm-hmm. a better person. You're more aware. I'm more comfortable with myself. Well, it's body language. Yeah. You don't realize all the smirks you make and the way you smile and... Like, oh God, I remember I did an interview when I was much younger. I was probably 20. I did not smile once. (laughs) I had ultimate bitch face the entire interview and I had to tell the person to not publish it. It was so bad. I looked like I'd been hit by a bus. Like I, (laughs) and it just made me realize like everyone, when they smile, they're more attractive. Yeah. And we're so used to just being so serious. And And there's a different smile there's a different smile from when you're like doing and talking about something you genuinely love and feel so comfortable, natural, confident in versus yeah, staged. Mm. And I think that was why I also was a bit shy to be on camera because most times it was very fake. Yeah. And this doing this stuff, I was like, okay, I found my fucking thing. Mm. I love this mm. and I love how I look doing it and I love how I sound. If everybody else is enjoying it, that's a plus. But honestly, I'm just doing it for me. And if it relates to other people, fucking right on. That's definitely something I'm going to work on next year. I've, I've come a long way, like, compared to when I started. When you did your story the other night, like, I fucking love that. I love that so much. You're I, dyeing my hair pink in the, yes, in the shower? Yes. 
And I, that was, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Like if you ever thought about doing the modeling yourself, um, cause it would be nice to see. Yeah. You. Well, and also a size 12 dress on a size 12 body. Yeah. Okay. I'm doing it. Promise you all. Fuck yeah. Ah! Why did we decide to do a collaboration? I know we kind of just touched on it before, but like. It just felt right. Just made sense. I just, you also need to mention that you are coming to the end of your role in your current job. And this yes. is a massive life pivot for you. I have quit my job <gasps> and it's a very pivotal moment. I think both because it's terrifying, but also like we were just saying before, it's kind of naturally taken about two and a half years to really understand our brand and what it is yeah. and what it means to us individually. And I genuinely feel like I'm really coming into my own with Hospital Bimbo. I know what it is. I know what I want it to be. It's crystal fucking clear to me. Great. And the only thing holding me back has always been time. Mm-hmm. I'm such an emotional per- I don't want to say emotional person. I'm just somebody who feels things very easily. And I'm like a sponge. Like I'm just... I just soak up everything, my environment, the people I'm around, what I'm working on. Mm. That job was just very exhausting. And I think if you're just doing that as your career and you come home and, you know, you go to the gym, maybe make a taco every night. I don't know. That's fine. (laughs) But I just had no capacity to tap into my creativity Mm. and do the shit. And that was your soul food. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. And it, it, like you, like you said, I was like, staying up at night because I was so I honestly don't know how you did it because I I only work three days for this company and even still I'm like I don't have enough time yeah so kudos to you well you just got to make time like it's so cheesy and cliche but like there is no time and you just have to make it happen like honestly every single week probably three two to three days a week I'm staying up till two o'clock in the morning doing something for bimbo and are you loving it yes yeah like I I get energy off of that. Yeah. Like you don't even notice it's 2 no. a.m. Yeah. No. If I have something going on the next day that's related to my brand or the podcast, like I'm excited, I'm energized. doesn't matter that I've had two hours of sleep the night before because I know that it's the right path. Totally. And I'm doing what I love. So I think with this job ending, it's opening up a new door. I am going to be going back home. I've, I'm past the... Um, I was a bit guarded with Hospital Bimbo at first. Mm. I was a bit careful of what I was putting out there. I, mm-hmm. I'm, I don't, I wouldn't say I'm crass, but I'm definitely. How do you, I don't even know how you would describe me? Yeah, it's just like very tongue-in-cheek. Precious. No, I don't like to censor things because mm. I think there's just way too much of that in the world. Like, I it's just want to. I just have felt like I have always been quieting myself and diluting myself bit by bit by bit. Mm. And it's taking me years to finally just burst and be like, fuck it. And the timing that this job is ending and that's happening is it feels fucking amazing. And so I just now am ready to just have all the walls come down. Yeah. It's it's sometimes it's so strange to me how we're so afraid of ourselves. Like I'm terrified of being my absolute self sometimes because that's the most vulnerable. And when people judge that, that's like, okay, <laughs> that's what I'm terrified of. And I think it's because of social media yeah. because you see so much regurgitated content of mm. everyone that's replicating somebody else. Yeah. But then when you think about what your interests are, you always tend to like things that are outside of the box that are different, unique. Yeah. 
And you love the people who are themselves right. and don't care about anyone. And I'm sorry, but I, I feel like the people that are replicating all of that, like, th- there's no way you're feeling fulfilled and no. individual and unique. And I, I just, I would never be able to do that. It's not sustainable. No. So... So yeah, I just I just got to a point where I'm just like I don't want to dilute anymore. I don't want to be quiet. I'm I I want to be extra, but I don't even want to call it extra because it's not extra. It's just being my fucking self. And the podcast and Hospital Bimbo, social media and everything, everything that it means to me is 1000% authentically myself. Yeah. And being okay with not pleasing everyone. Yeah. You can't no. There's an, and why feed into the people that hate you when you have all these fans who love you? Yeah. You know? That's yeah. all we need to pay attention to. There is always going to be somebody talking bad about you. Yeah. Who the fuck cares? They're talking bad about us right now. I know. They're listening to this podcast being like, these bitches Stupid. don't know what they're talking about. But that is just, <laughs> we know what that stems from, which is why. Your own insecurities. Right. <laughs> it's just a projection. Yeah. And that's why I think. What we're doing with our individual ventures is so fucking precious because not a lot of people have that. Mm. Most people are just, they go to work, they go to the fucking, do an F45 class after work, go home, make a burrito. First it was a taco, now it's a burrito. Watch Married at First Sight. Watch Married at First Sight, in bed by 10, repeat. Where is the fucking joy in that? Oddly enough, the residency was the first thing that allowed me to break through those barriers, Mm -hmm. talking to people on K Road. I got a taste of that. I became addicted. And now I'm just like laser vision. I know what I want. I know what I'm going to do. So when I first met you, Cass, before even saying hello, you asked me if I wanted a coffee. And politely I said, oh, of course, not knowing (laughs) what kind of coffee you would bring me. And it just turned out it was the most unreal barista style Fomart coffee. Because... That is your whole background, and you've been doing it for 15 years or something crazy? How did you... 17. How, tell me your story. Okay, well, firstly, I just want to point out that here? half the time, I won't even say hi to people. I think it's literally like... <laughs> a reflex? It's a nervousness thing. And I talked about this on my last... this The episode that just came out today, that it's a diffuser, and it's a way to keep myself busy because I am there to serve in some capacity... It's your happy place, your comfort zone. Yeah. As long if I'm like I'm sometimes I can be just super socially awkward. So as long as I'm making somebody a coffee, I don't know what it is. It's like there's this portal that opens up. And if I'm behind the counter and I'm serving food or I'm making coffee or I'm pouring a drink or something like that, this like new persona comes in. Mm. And oh I God, used to I call love her that. That is no, that is that is a total that must be that must have a name. That whole philosophy. Because I had the same thing working in retail. As soon as you step behind the counter, you enter this character. Yeah. Alter ego. Similarly, I would have this alter ego when I was drunk and I named her Donna (laughs) because she was just this, I sound like a fucking crazy person, but she was just extra confident, no slurring. I don't know. I don't know what it is. So working behind a a bar, making people coffees, I always just want to make sure that anyone I meet, anyone in a room, that's the first thing. You know, because I guess it's been instilled in me since I was 14. As soon as somebody walks through a door. So you hey, started working you? in hospital at 14? Yeah. What was uh, your first job? A busser in a diner. Oh, of course. Yeah. So the diner is called Cafe 101 Diner in Squim, Washington. It's still there. 
I hated it when I was a kid. Like I didn't appreciate diners and hospital till I was like probably after high school. Mm. It just taught me a lot. It just, so when I first met you, I was probably like, hi, do you want a coffee? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, um, okay. okay. Yeah. And naturally that's just, yeah, that's just stuck. So I, I think hospital bimbo came because I've been in the industry for years. I've traveled around. I've been to Australia. I, I'm worldly. I've been to Australia, <laughs> New Zealand. It's the same country. Yeah. <laughs> I've always been in hospital, period. And I think if you really wanted to pull that back to the bottom layer, I think there's a bit of an insecurity there. Wait, why did you come to New Zealand? Because <laughs> I followed a boy. <laughs> I met him in Hawaii. Really? Genuinely met him. In oh my god! And you I wonder said, if he listens to this podcast. And you thought my life was a movie? Yeah. Oh my god, the stories I could tell. No, but I, I, I was working on a cruise ship at the time, serving. Oh, amazing! Sailing through the Hawaiian Islands. It was the hardest job I've ever had in my life. Oh god, why? Sounds it, dream. Because you work seven days a week, you never get a day off. But you get to go off the boat, but you have like oh. five hours or whatever. And it's grueling. Oh my goodness. And it's shit-ass pay. You're living on the third floor of the ship in tight quarters. Yeah, Titanic. With like th- okay. Yeah, Titanic, essentially. <laughs> Iceberg and everything. Yeah. Um, three people in a room. It's just, it's horrible. Oh, wow. So I, I, I jump ship. I like... I didn't actually physically jump the ship. I this is what you call it when you great quit. Great phrase, great timing. Yeah. My mom and my grandma were on holiday there, and my boss wasn't going to let me get time off to go with them. And I was just like, "Bye, <laughs> I'm leaving." I literally just packed my bag and left, and had this oh, amazing holiday with my oh, mom and great. grandma. And then they obviously went home, and they were like, "So, are you coming with us? What are you doing?" I was like, "Um, I think I'm going to stay here." <laughs> stayed and i lived in a hostel for like th- oh. everything always works out isn't yeah. it just crazy like what's the worst that could happen you just have to always ask yourself that yeah and it was honestly like i don't know i looking back i don't know how i survived like doing that lifestyle but i was working three different jobs i was making coffee serving still going for daily swims in the ocean like drinking at night socializing <sighs> don't understand and then i met my ex-boyfriend he was a kiwi Long story short, we came here. I thought I was going to be here a year. Nine years later, bada bing, bada boom. Damn. And I've just been in hospital ever since. So done a couple of office jobs. Have um, you ever wanted to like work up to the point of like owning? owning? Yes. Like running your own business? All the time. All the time. But my one of my good friends has a cafe slash cakery in the mount Mm -hmm. if you haven't listened to the episode with daniel cubis go ahead and go check that out i think it was when i saw her struggles and how hard she worked and yeah behind the smoke and mirrors yeah Yeah. i was like fuck this is this is hard like i don't know if i can if i'm ready for that kind of commitment so maybe someday in the future but Mm -hmm. nah i'm a bit too fleeting for something like that even when i got out of hospital and I went into office jobs. It was really weird because I would like desperately try and get shifts still in restaurants and cafes on the weekends to like feel at home. Mm. Because in some weird insecurity, I felt like that's the only thing I'm good at. Everything else that I'm doing, like even in this job and every other job I've had that's not hospital, very imposter syndrome Very, mm. you don't belong here. Yeah, wow. You need to go back to hospital. career-wise, when you were young, were you like, oh, I want to – what? What was your, what did you want to be when you grew up? 
I wanted to be a singer or an actor. Oh, that makes so Just, much sense. Yeah. You so, guys I need mean, to hear Cassie sing. Picturing <laughs> 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 like an X Factor contestant and it doesn't go well. And then I'm Simon Cowell. What oh. are you going to sing today? <laughs> no. Thank you. Next. What do you think I'm going to say? <laughs> no? <laughs> oh, Fucking sorry. hold on. Funny yeah. segue story, which my mom gets so pissed off about this. When I was 20, she like unbeknownst. Unbeknownst? Unbeknownst. <laughs> unbeknownst. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> unbeknownst? Don't say it. Just choose another word. Unbeknown. Unbeknown to me. I don't know. Okay. Do you want to Google it? So when I was 20, my mom, without my knowledge, entered me onto fucking... (laughs) She entered me onto American Idol. (laughs) Fucking swear to God. And I... When I found out, I was livid. I was like, you did not. I am not doing that. And I just flat out wouldn't do it. So I was supposed to go to Nashville to go try out for Oh, my God. I could be sitting next to a famous person right now. But I I was like, no fucking way. could have been the next Chris Renee or Kelly Clarkson. I swear to God, my mom brings this up like every six months. She's like, I entered you into the. I don't know what accent that is, but. Why didn't you do it? I don't know. Because I was embarrassed. Yeah. Unreal. I didn't think it was good enough. Unreal. And I used to like, like, I, this is not me. I don't want, but I used to be a really good singer. Like, my voice has changed so much now that I, I am an idiot to not have taken that opportunity. But, you know, and now everyone on fucking American Idol is like, Adele, what is yeah. going on? Yeah. But I think the constant, the whole point is the constant has always been a need to use my voice in some capacity Mm -hmm. and tell a story and tell other people's stories. You are great at it. So hospo, comedy, storytelling, hospo bimbo. Where did the name hospo bimbo come about? Kind of like you, hospo bimbo rhymes, number one. I don't know why, but Americans seem to not know how to pronounce it. I think because uh, it's a very English thing bimbo. Just, no, like age? hospo i don't think oh, people hospo. in america say oh. hospo they just say hospitality oh for real yeah so everyone at, like i was on a live the other night i was on somebody's live and he was reading out my thing he's like hospo bimbo like <laughs> what yahoo <laughs> yozo uh we get it all so hospo and then i had an ex-boyfriend one time when he was really pissed off call me a bimbo and I thought it was hilarious so and my mom that's like one of her favorite words to use when somebody cuts her off you fucking bimbo (laughs) and I don't know why I was like hospo bimbo (laughs) I think it's the self-deprecating like uh nature of just taking the piss out of yourself (laughs) self-aware if you want to even go fucking deeper with it it's because I've always undermined myself Mm -hmm. and was almost embarrassed about working in hospitality. Mm-hmm. It was almost like I was just this stupid bimbo, couldn't get another job, so yeah, she was just working in Played hospital. Played into the cliche. Yeah. Yeah. That's Dead how beat. I feel having blonde hair, doing fashion. It's like, oh, do you know what? I'm just going to embrace it. I'm going to be the – I feel the ditzy fashion girl. Yeah, but girl. you have pink in your hair. Yeah, well, I do now, but, you know, 
when I first dyed my hair blonde, I felt the exact same. I felt like a bimbo. Mm. But now I'm a cool girl. Now you're a cool girl. <laughs> and you just get to surprise everybody with how fucking yeah, amazing you are. I just don't care are. anymore. I just yeah. don't care about anything. Most people know me as being really quiet, which I think is just hilarious because my close friends and my family would be like, the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and, <laughs> and so then when I come out with this, they're just like, what is she doing? <laughs> like, this disgust. And I love it. Love the surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Live, laugh, love. What are some uh, challenges that you have found, you know, balancing everything, working part-time? I don't want to say part-time because you're, you're pretty on the cusp, part-time, full-time. So how do you ensure that yeah. you make time for, for your brand? Uh, <clears throat> I have battled with this so much. I've gone from one extreme of being completely chill, relaxed, don't care, just go with the flow, spontaneous. That stressed me out, so overwhelming, that I then incorporated all these task management websites, Google calendars, <laughs> lists. Like, Then I went to having a schedule every day to the point where every hour was mapped out. And that was overwhelming and stressful. So now I've realized that I need a little bit of balance. I need to not overwhelm myself by giving myself huge, unachievable lists big tasks but I do yeah I, I definitely need a little bit of both so a little bit of freedom but I need a end goal and a, a weekly plan a little bit of structure a little bit of structure yeah yeah so on my days off I have designated tasks to those days I know what I'm doing on those days doesn't mean that always goes to plan and that's just part of the process and it's part of the frustration but it's life and probably this year um, I experienced losing a really close friend and that was a huge wake-up call for me in terms of realizing that any plan cannot go to plan and that's okay. Yep. Everything can go out the window. You can take a day off, two days off, a month off and that's okay. Things will always turn around. You've always got a second chance, a third chance. No one cares. Like nothing's going to fall over. It's going to be okay. And yeah, as horrible as that was, my God, did I need that. And and COVID too. Just realizing to let go of it and not be in so much control of everything all the time. That's been a huge challenge. Fabulous learning, like character-wise. Mm -hmm. It is quite lonely as well at times, you know, doing everything yourself, having to wear every hat. I do have trust issues, which I think is why I was so keen to go it alone and like do my own thing. Um, so eventually having to bring people in to help is something I'm really looking forward to because I know that's going to be a really big challenge for me. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to micromanage. I know what a bad boss is. <laughs> I think that'll be the next big challenge for me. It's like letting go again of, yeah. of another layer of control. Because there's only so many hours in the day mm -hmm. and most of your time is allocated to yeah. the job, the other job. Yeah. Do you experience no, burnout? Oh my God, yeah. It, you do. Like, especially if your career and your job is something you love to do anyway. Because I think a lot of people who maybe have a startup business or I don't know, they've tapped into something that there hasn't been their lifelong passion mm -hmm. and it is quite fleeting maybe and they can go, cool, I'm working on it from these hours to these hours 
done. Whereas for me, I just, there's so many elements and aspects I love that I'll chip away at it as a hobby anyway. Yeah. So I don't think that's a bad thing. Do you know what that is? I think that is enjoying, like genuinely enjoying mm. the process. Yeah. Because when you're working a job, all you're focused on is the end goal. Yeah. Everything else just seems grueling and strenuous. Totally. But when you're working on something you're fucking passionate about, yeah. you have to love the process. A hundred percent. Which I think we both do. The thing I will say though to that is ensuring you have boundaries with yeah. yourself and with other people because- I cannot sleep at night if I know that I've neglected the people who I love in my life and they come first. Always. Always. Period. Everyone needs to hear that. Employers, employees, nothing else matters. At the end of the day, it's a job. People come first. So I've experienced that and I've made time for those people as well first. And then I do the extra work in my own time if I have time. Yeah. But – um. It's also making sure you do the jobs you don't like yeah, <laughs> and making time for those first because anything else is a nice to have and can come later. But yeah. Yeah. And it's hard because you can go down these rabbit holes yeah. of all nighters, mm. but at least do the all nighter on something that maybe isn't going to push the boat forward. If I don't get my product up online, I ain't going to make any money. The business can't go forward. So that has to be done first in the morning. Or I wake up in the morning and I'm like, I have to do my accounts. Because mm -hmm. I hate it and I'm going to get it out of the way. And then I don't have to worry about it. And I think that's the big difference between you and I is like, I'm not technically a business. So mm -hmm. while I have a shit ton of money and all all things Investment, wrapped up in yeah, this, totally. I it's not a business. So it's not, I don't have anything incoming. So I sometimes I neglect it. Because I'm like, oh, well, what am I going to lose? But I'm also, the one thing I will say is I'm very hard on myself to ensure that I'll purposely put something online saying, like, new episode coming this day. Yeah. And I have to meet that deadline. Amazing. The, the sooner you can act like it's real, the better. Yeah. Because it will just totally shape your practice and your habits. And, the, yeah, the sooner you start building good habits, the easier that will be. It won't even feel like a transition. Well, and it just allows you to naturally build a system, mm. like, of a workflow. Of what, of what works, it, what doesn't. Yeah. yeah. I try to keep one day on the weekend. There's only two days in the weekend. <laughs> but, like, one day free where I'm only doing, you know, spending time with my partner or, like, doing something outside of yeah. this. Because yeah. I think because of our job uh, we're just in front of a computer consistently and yeah. sometimes it's hard to turn off and be like, okay, I just need to actually go for a fucking walk or just be outside or something like that. Oh my God. Yes. I, I'm going to openly say this cause I've listened to so many people talk on podcasts who are like, I'm not a workaholic. I just work all the time. Oh my God. I love a Netflix binge. That is okay. I love going, getting my hair done. I love having coffee with friends. I love going for a kayak. I have a life. Like, it's cool to have a life. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with literally <laughs> bringing the duvet yeah. from your bed to the couch <laughs> and binging Netflix for a whole fucking oh my 24 God. hours. Do what makes you happy. And do you know what? That'll be the best thing for your mind because it means you would have recharged, refreshed. You, you won't experience that kind of burnout. It's more sustainable. Do the Netflix binge. So 
it is officially December 2nd and not to be cliche or whatever because I fucking hate New Year's resolutions. I'm not a fan of them because I think it's just, I don't know, I've never been able to stick to them when I say, this is my New Year's resolution. I do think that there is a certain air around right now um, given my situation and I think you've also found a groove, a new wave to ride. Mm-hmm. And I think naturally I'm just ready to go into 2023 just not giving a fuck and ready to absolutely smash it. But actually making or setting some goals and making some promises to yourself. Yes. That holds you accountable. Yes. So how are we going to hold ourselves accountable and ensure that we are being 1000% authentic? It's like a marriage. It is. You're making a commitment and we're renewing our vows. We are renewing our vows. Should we renew our vows? We should. Let's go right now. I, I've ha- I have <laughs> I take something the prepared. And in health. Um, but that is so true. That is honestly a great metaphor because it's never perfect, but it is a commitment and you love it and you want to stick with it through the good times and the bad. You want to work on it to make it better. My relaunch, whatever you want to call it, is wherefore out thou bimbo? Because the bimbo to me is the person that is just going to grab the reins and go. And I just need to get back to that space where I'm. Do you know what as well? We need to stop talking about alter egos and just be the ego. Like we are the ego. Yeah, I think the alter ego is your true self. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's fascinating, isn't it, though, that you need to like crutch onto someone else to feel comfortable. But it's like, I think we're past that now. We've done that for two years. And we're like, oh, just over it. I'm bored. Yeah. Like, I just want, I'm just ready to be me. I'm ready. And I think it's really fucking easy, though, to get sucked into old habits mm-hmm. where you go back to that really shy, yeah, sheltered person. Okay, let's do it. All right. What's your promise? What are you making? What goals are you setting? So I promise to take the in sickness and in health, not nitpicking every single thing that I put online and just putting it out there and knowing just trusting it, trusting mm-hmm. the process. Mm-hmm. What does nitpicking look like to you? What are you nitpicking at? Like I will go over an edit that I've been sitting in front of the computer editing a podcast episode. Like for example, a prime example, the episode I did with Albert from Daily Daily. <sighs> the amount of times that I scrubbed through all that footage and there was an error and I just could not let it go. I just, yeah. I remember getting a text message from Alex. He's like, you're going to hate me, but at the three mark, I, like, I love that I got that feedback, but I'm just like, I, it f- killed me and I was mm. pissed off at myself for like two weeks. Oh. So I just want to let not, go. Yeah, just want to let go of the little bits. And embrace failures. They're going to happen. They're going to happen. Yeah. They're inevitable. Yeah. Mistakes happen. We're only human. Yes. So it's just learning from them and moving on. Yeah. I would like to take rest breaks. Mm. I need to really set more healthy ba- boundaries. Mm hmm. That will, in the long term, give me more energy to put back into my brand. What about you? In sickness and in health, I think sickness for me is comparing myself to others. Mm. And social media has been my biggest struggle since day one. And I think it's just that classic old trying to personify who you are authentically. It's like a constant juggle of your true self, but also wanting to betray the person you want to be. And when you go onto your Instagram, it's the, it is it's this filtered feed, this microcosm of everything 
every aspect of your life that you like, whether it's quirky or edgy or polished or not at all, I think we all feed into that little world too much. Yeah. But at the same time, it's my solace because as soon as I look at someone and I go, oh my God, they have so many more followers than than I do and they've only been doing this for six months. What am I doing wrong? Or, oh my God, they made so many TikToks and like, I'm meant to be a designer. I should be good at this stuff. What am I doing wrong? I'm just constantly comparing comparing and feeling like a failure and I just need to completely stop that mindset and instead turn those creators content creators influencers business owners into motivators and and turn it into inspiration and go god that's so cool I could do that yeah it's like seeing what they're doing and taking that idea and seeing how you could put your own spin on it almost I think instead of being jealous it's just going like it's more empowering them because there must be people who look at us and are like fucking bitch you know like (laughs) it just must be and it's like I don't want people to feel that way about me no I would hate to hear someone feeling that way but the only reason why people feel that way is because of some self-deprivation like some self-doubt that's yeah it's toxic isn't it so yeah I think having little tips and tricks for example just muting those people just blocking them if they are detrimental to your mental health like just just not worth looking at well I love that we've got because you've got a personal Instagram I've got a personal Instagram and then we've got Got business yeah those ones can be like I've curated mine to be specifically just following hospitality people people Mm -hmm. that are doing shit that I like yeah I don't even get on my personal Instagram anymore because I just find it let go of it yeah but I might start again oh (laughs) (laughs) but not not in order to like become an influencer or anything like that I think just it's that good habit of being okay with sharing yeah and as soon as I like it's great to have a break but I think it can also be risky letting it go altogether because getting back on the horse is so much harder again Mm mm-hmm and I just, uh, yeah, it's tiring, isn't it? Some of the constant feedback that I get is that I'm an o- oversharer. And I fucking know that I'm an oversharer. I 100% own that. I don't know any other way of communication. And to me, it's a way to resonate and to be... Relatable. Relatable. Mm. Everyone wants to relate to somebody. Mm-hmm. And that's where that's where the diner comes in. Because yeah. when you're in a diner, you're sharing a booth yeah. with somebody, all the walls are down and you're just talking shit and you're relating. That's At awesome. the end of the day, that's all I want yeah. to be. And that's what I want to receive as well. Fabulous. Yeah. And then I think in health, it's, a, it's important to appreciate the good as well. And so I think it's worthwhile recognizing how far you've come as well like what what are things you expected to happen in two years or like what are things that have happened that you didn't expect that's interesting I don't remember who I was talking to about this but we don't celebrate wins at Mm. all like you have this milestone in your head whether big or small and then you reach it but then once you reach it you're just like "Eh." truly and then you're like okay what next but like no sit with that and look back on how far you actually have come because yeah I mean I don't have Followers to me doesn't really mean much, but it is still crazy. Like I've surpassed my personal following to 
now hospital bimbo. And it's <laughs> so saying, true. And it's saying We've all had that moment of like, I just want to reach a hundred followers. Yeah. I just want to reach a thousand and followers. The, I've, I have that toxic yeah. thing in my head where I have to – because in my head I'm like, as soon as I reach 1,200 followers, so people are going to take up me one serious. And then down one, yeah. down two, up to up to no, yeah. 1,999. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So stupid. And it doesn't even mean anything because, like, especially running a business, and I can safely say, I have the most followers I've ever had and my sales are, have definitely increased and are more consistent. But I wouldn't say like a month into my launch that I was any worse off. Mm. It's so ridiculous how the algorithms work and who sees your content. And it's impossible to keep up with. Keeping people returning and trying to get new people. It's just, yeah. Uh, who cares how many followers you have? Yeah. As long as you're talking to the followers and all you care about is the people who are feeding your soul. It's building longevity. Yeah. So celebrating the wins. It was a great one. And I think, what would you say has been a win for you this year? I would say the residency, honestly, yeah. it was a huge win for me yeah. um, because I, on, I've i told you before, but I just went back and forth so much in my head of just self-doubt and like, no, I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready for that. And Do I you just, think it was someone else saying, we see you, we're giving you this platform, like giving you permission almost? Oh, I yeah. And I think, you know, because there was a sponsorship behind it, I that's yeah. where the but a pressure. Good, I, I just felt pressure. like I wasn't good enough. And I was like, mm -hmm. they should get somebody else in, you know, like mm. that sort of thing. Or I went and did a shoot for um, Vineyard Cottages. I went out for them for with them for a day and did like some video content and stuff. And even doing that, like just doing more projects that align with my vision and what I'm passionate about mm -hmm. and being comfortable, being uncomfortable cheesy but so fucking true because that's where the growth is 100%. and that's where i've found the most reward is in those moments yeah and it's funny because we're not talking about being so uncomfortable that you're stressed out and you know going into a deep dark hole of depression and terror no it's you know you're capable it's your dream but it's scary because it is your dream and you're yeah. like, oh, my God, this is actually going to be real. And then it's, like, achievable. And then it's, like, oh, my God. Yeah, and it's, it's too it's, good to be true. You and know? It's, it's uncomfortable it's for a small stint. But then afterwards, you're, like, I don't know. like Yeah, the adrenaline is unreal and undescribable. And, you, yeah, and then the visions start coming. And you're, like, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. It's, like, you've unlocked a new realm yeah. of capability. Yeah. I feel I feel like that with getting the studio this year. Because it was so oh, like, yeah. oh my God, so hard figuring out where to store things mm -hmm. and like, you know, going through the whole COVID thing and working from home and then having this little tiny shed at the back of our house with the clothes. And I was just, I was so embarrassed by my own setup that I'm sure that kind of reflected in my online presence because I just couldn't take any photos of behind the scenes or anything like that because yep. it was so awful. Like if people really knew what it looked like I don't think I have any sales <laughs> but and you're allowing yourself to take yourself more seriously yes totally yeah. it was like I need to act professional and be professional in order to grow once it's all set up I, I'm just yeah I hope that's going to open so many more doors for me and I think customers as well will find it so much easier to come it, and see things and try things on and it's, it's so just well. accessible isn't yeah it? I had some really I had a really exciting Kiwi artist actually reach out 
oh. who would like styling for her summer shows. So I'm like, that's just one thing that I'm like, oh, you know, I just needed one thing to sort of kick and start. more, it'll start snowballing. Yeah. Like more of that will continue to come in. Yeah, it's it's so crazy. Like you just start one thing and then you don't really know what's going to come of it. You just know something good is going to come. Yeah, and that's the surprise and the excitement. I'm so motherfucking woo-woo. <laughs> so my interpretation of that is it's the universe testing you, being like, are you ready for this? Yeah. And then when you take a little bite and you're like, okay, that wasn't so bad. And then there's this like little A little bits, bit more. A little yeah. bit more, a little bit mm-hmm. more. And it just starts compiling. Totally. What's another vow? I vow to love thyself. I think I'm really bad at this. I Someone asked me what I did the other day. And I said, I just collect clothes. <laughs> it's you know what it is. It's the just. Yeah, I, 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 I don't do anything special. I, it's nothing big. It's nothing fancy. It's. I'm really jealous of Americans. You guys, I don't know if you have this in your culture, but we here in New Zealand have what's called tall poppy syndrome. Whenever it's like a metaphor for whenever someone's succeeding, and they're like the tall, standout, high achieving, the rest of us cut them down. And, and make them feel small again. And it's sometimes a beautiful quality because it's very grounding and humbling and it teaches us not to have huge egos. But too far, too far to the point where it's like no one is confident enough to say what they're doing well, well at. Yeah, I think it's the opposite in America. I think <laughs> we are grown up. Well, I mean, not everyone, you know, some people have hard upbringings and that sort of thing, but it's distilled, distilled, it's instilled in us from a very early age of how great you are, how amazing you're doing. Everything is an achievement. You get a reward. You're special. You're very unique. And um, yeah, I think we, that's almost a detriment in the States because big egos I mean, mm. there's a reason why Hollywood is in America. So we both need a piece of each other's pie. Yeah. What? How do you present yourself? Like, what do you tell people you do? Like, do you tell people you have a podcast? Yes. I'm now very proud of it. Before mm. I was like, oh, I'm just, you know, it's just the just. Yeah. Like belittling, just like it's just a casual yeah. thing. But no, I, I now tell people I'm proud of it. I have a comedy hospitality podcast. I love that. You know what it is? Which maybe you won't, maybe because we're two different people, but... Honestly, putting myself on screen more, mm. talking to my audience that way has allowed me to gain that confidence. Mm. I think just being okay with having success as well mm-hmm. and not caring if people are going to judge. And I don't think they even will. I think it's just all in my head. Oh, and if they do, they'll talk shit about you for 30 seconds and then <laughs> complain about something else. Exactly. So, yeah, I need to embrace the fact that I am a designer and I am a stylist and I am actually the owner of a business like so that is that is a vow I am going to make to myself I'm going to love myself more and be confident in what I do I vow to approach more people Mm. and get people I don't know on the show and be collaborate collaborate but also like I want to be way more comfortable with my camera out in public Mm. And I want to have confidence walking into a diner. And I did one, I did a couple little um, montages of diners in the States. And I was so nervous at first. Like, I was like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassing. Like, I asked, I was like, hey, do you mind if it, I might just shoot a little bit of video? Is that okay? I've got, I've just got this little podcast. <laughs> and they're like, uh, yeah, it's okay. 
And then they got into it and I was like, this is so fucking cool. Yeah. And so I just want to put myself in more situations where I'm okay with being uncomfortable and then... It's like that classic saying, which totally does work, and we need to remember our confident selves when we got behind the counters in retail and hospital. But that fake it till you make it. Yeah. Like, we just need to inhabit this crazy 30 seconds of confidence. And so what if it doesn't work? It I, probably won't not work. Like I hate to bring up TikTok, but there's that there's those TikToks that are – it shows – Somebody who's like kind of embarrassed of their body and your body language mm. and how if you're crouching and covering yourself versus if you're like, you know, yeah. just body posture, the difference that makes. You could do so many different things with that mentality on yeah. how you speak, how you act, your body language. I mean, so I, I want to implement more, which I've tried. And I, I think in my last two episodes, I've really tried to be more myself and a mm. few people have asked if I was drunk <laughs> I'm like no no that's just me <laughs> oh gosh I love it so being I want to I vow to be more unscripted mm. oh my gosh I need a dose of that mm -hmm. who would you say you're influenced by who do you think like does that really well Emma Chamberlain yeah that's a cool <laughs> one I fucking love Emma Chamberlain she's what 22 yeah and she's doing exactly what i want to be doing but not in i'm i don't look up to her in a way that's toxic for myself mm. like she's authentic to herself and she's funny and i think that's what makes her it's that whole like accessible approachable she's not intimidating she's not cold she's really warm and real yeah and she's funny in a way that's like it's almost like quiet funny like she's not making these loud no, big sudden not. movements she's just like, she's not like, I'm a comedian. Yeah. She's just, she's got a good sense of humor. Yeah. And I have a lot of comedians that I look up to as well. Like, you know, Whitney Cummings and Heather McMahon fucking love. Chelsea Handler. Chelsea Handler. Oh, yeah. God. But yeah, Emma just is way on my level. Mm. What about you? I, see, I'm looking at people who are like nailing their niche. Because mm -hmm. I think that, and especially in my field, as a designer or a stylist, it's so hard to find what your your look is and how you can be different. So I love the people who mesh new genres together, and that's kind of how where I get stuck a lot of the time because I'm not American vintage and I'm not um, completely kitsch. Or I'm like a mix of a lot of things. So. I really look up to people like um, Michelle Lee, who's a stylist in New York, and she's hilarious. And her captions are so, um, just so candid and hilarious. But her styling's phenomenal, you know? It's mm. like she's so confident in just taking a ridiculously candid photo. The styling's amazing, and then the caption's ridiculous. And it's just... That to me is such confidence. That's so good. Yeah. Be more candid. But and not taking herself too seriously. No. And yeah. it's not to say brands don't hire her that are reputable. You know, it's like, it's, yeah, fantastic. I think she's great. And then I also really like Maria Bernard, um, Bernard of Le Fleur Studio. And she similarly started out with a vintage label, but now she's like got back into reworks and they're just so unique and one off but like really 
luxe, lush fabrics, textures, but they're not conventional, cool girl, mainstream. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's just really embracing being different. And I think it's so easy to get caught up in trends as a designer because they sell. Yeah. And especially if you're, you know, having a tough month or you put your heart and soul into something that was really unique and different and it didn't go off as well as you'd hoped. You start looking at other people and going, oh, they're doing really well. Should I just... Yeah, and that can be applied to anything. Like, mm. even fucking trending sounds on Instagram. Yeah. Everyone's having to do reels yeah. and shit. It is it is a bit of a dance yeah. because you don't want to conform into this, into the algorithm, mm. into what everyone else is doing. But yeah. sometimes... We don't want to lose yourself. Yeah. Which yeah, is so hard. easy to do. And I think, actually, that is why I am grateful... I started the brand two years ago while still having another job because it meant there wasn't this commercial financial pressure on sacrificing the brand. Like I I could work on the brand and trial things and test things Mm -hmm. and stay true to that without having to bow down to trends and things like that to make money. Because money fucks everything up or it can. It can. It can make things really complex. It rules decisions and it – it's it's pretty rare to be able to make a decision and just experiment. Yeah, and it's interesting as well being in a capitalist society where growth is good and growth is encouraged. But I, I don't ever want to be big. I don't ever want to be big. It's not attractive at all to me. And I think with growth to the point of like, you know, working with a really large team and really high volumes and large markets and competitive prices and whatnot, it all becomes high stress. It doesn't get easier, you know? It Maybe you make more money, but that is a sign that there's there's more cogs and there's more wheels, you know? So what, what does success look like for you? My dream is to have a little shop, showroom, small team. I would love to travel for work and travel overseas, especially Japan. And then on the side of that, I'm going to be expanding Yohozo beyond vintage and offering my services in styling and design. Cool. Yeah. So I'd really love to work, be starting to help brands and personalities style and direct campaigns. Yeah. I'm just really ready for it. I'm just so excited. I'm fucking ready for 2023. And I think that brings us to our third vow, which is till death do us part. Till death do us part. For me, there is no other option. Yeah. There is no plan B. No. I have fully lost myself in this in the best way because to me, this is the only thing that's actually allowing me the freedom to be me. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, there's just no plan B. There's going to be shit that happens that is not what you expected, wasn't planned. Yeah. But that's usually where the little nuggets of gold okay. are. Do you believe in everything happening for a reason? Yes. Yeah, me too. 1000%. Because every single experience that I've had that's been like, monumental and worthwhile has been from a whim of where I just made a decision to go down a different route or just trusted my intuition, said yes to something random, and then it just opened up another door and so on and so forth. And I think that's the secret to life. Yeah. And that's what next year is going to be. Like I'm, I know, I know that I don't know what's going to (laughs) happen, but that's the beauty of it. It's so exciting. And just be patient because everything takes time. Mm. Success is not overnight. Yeah. Like where are we going to be in the next two years, right? I will be 
staying overnight in a Walmart parking lot in a van, <laughs> traveling across America, interviewing women in diners. Oh, that's fabulous. I would like to be. I would like to be in Japan. Who knows? I don't know. I don't want to have a plan. To be honest, unscripted, mm. uncharted waters. <gasps> what would you say your biggest advice for others entering these marriages <laughs> would be? I think it's the same as as like people relationships or like when you're in a marriage with a human being is that you have to work on yourself before you can fully devote yourself to something else. Amen. So I don't know about you, but working on my podcast and going along this journey has really shined a light on some things I don't like about myself, mm. but it's allowed me the opportunity to identify them and work on them. Yeah. And I think just communicating to your audience in a very, very authentic way. Like we've been saying, nobody wants to just keep seeing the same regurgitated shit. You're not going to feel uh, fulfilled at the end of the day if you're just speaking on somebody else's vision. Mm -hmm. So just staying authentic to yourself, working on yourself, and the rest will just kind of take place naturally. Just do it. Oh my God. I was going to say just do it. Like literally just do looking it. looking at my Nike shoes being like, God damn, you guys got a good slogan. <laughs> but like truly. <laughs> just do it. Just stop talking about it. Stop thinking about it and just do it and learn. And learn as you go on the job. And I think public failures, another amazing thing because it allows you to relate with your audience. They're like, oh, you're a real person too. Mm. Yeah. Being vulnerable, mm. which is again why I am a huge fan of oversharing being vulnerable, sharing life stories in a diner booth because yeah. it just it brings people closer together. And at the end of the day, we're all primal by nature. We want to be part of a tribe, part of a community and yeah. share you our experiences. you got to lift up the veil and kiss the frog. My advice, you know, we could sit here and get all technical about what to do and what not to do about owning a business. But my advice before starting a business as well would be, is really cheesy, but be the change. And that's what I've tried to encompass in my business is like, I hated what I was seeing, hated what other people were doing. I complained about it and I talked about it and I went on and on and on. And then I realized I could actually do something about it. I could make a small difference. Yeah. Like, what are you trying to achieve? Yeah. Like, be the change you want to see. Don't do what everyone else is doing. Do it different. Go against the status quo. Speaking of woo-woo. Because it's December 2nd, I'm born on June 22nd, my business is turning two, and it's the year 2022, I'm going to offer all of our listeners today 22% off for the rest of December. Oh my. To celebrate my birthday. birthday. Happy birthday. So head to the checkout, use the code happy birthday, you'll get 22% off till 31st of December, midnight. You're welcome. And there you have it. Okay, so I feel like we need to solidify these vows. Yes. In order to make them real. Yes. So I'm going to say my vows to you. Repeat after me. I vow to take thee in sickness and in health. I vow to take thee in sickness and in health. I vow to love thyself. I vow to love thyself. Till death do us part. Till death do us part, baby. I now pronounce you... Hospo Bimbo. And Yohozo. We are now finished with our wedding ceremony and we will be heading off into the sunset into our honeymoon that is 2023. I can't wait. We could literally sit here all night long. I think that's why I'm having trouble saying goodbye. Okay. That's so beautiful. I have a couch and a duvet that's calling my name. Thank you so much for joining. I have a cocktail. 
Well, this is where we are very different. Fly, my darling, fly! What is Catherine? Ka- Why is everybody obsessed with it? Do I need to watch it? Have you not seen it? No, we have this conversation every but I always night. think you A big shout out to Zoe from Yoho Zoe. Thank you so much for being on. And as she mentioned, head to yohozoland.com and enter happy birthday at checkout to get 22% off for the rest of December. I love you guys. I love you, Zoe. Thanks for tuning in, and I will see you in the next one.